This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Again, it's a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, if you're new to the podcast or if you're a returning subscriber, we're glad you're here. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, also, anywhere where you can get your podcast audio-wise, whether it's Google Podcasts or uh, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can get your podcast, you should be able to find when the scriptures become real. Uh, if you ever have any topics or anything you would like to be discussed, um, you can DM me there on YouTube and then also on the Facebook page as well. Today's topic, uh, what we want to talk about is how to keep the faith when the storm won't stop. Now, this isn't my topic. This isn't uh, original with me. This is actually um, a topic from a buddy of mine from the School of Preaching, uh, Brandon Tibbetts. He texted me about two weeks ago. And he said, uh, hey, man, I think I got a topic for you. And he said, I think you should talk about how to keep the faith when the storm won't stop. And if anybody knows me, they know that after I got that text and I saw what the topic was, I hit Brandon with the with the patented Jordan. Uh, oh, right. I hit him with the oh, because that's going to be that's going to be good. How to keep the faith when the storm won't stop. I never really thought about it like that until Brandon uh, Brandon brought that up. So. Uh, hopefully, Brandon, I can um, I can do this uh, justice. So hopefully, uh, this this can help you, and this can help our listeners uh, as well. So, how to keep the faith when the storm won't stop? You know, sometimes in life, um, we're hit with something I like to call a gut punch. Um, a gut punch is, especially in life, when it when it hits you, and you you feel it. Um, and you may crumble, you may fall, you may stay on the ground and it hurts, but you get back up from that gut punch, whatever it is. But here's the thing about the gut punches. Even if you have the ability to get back up, you still feel that sting of the original hit. So you might have grown from it. You might have felt it. You might have, uh, you know, you might have stayed on the ground for a while, but when you get up, you still feel the sting of the original punch. And so what could be a gut punch in life, right? What can be a storm or a gut punch? Maybe losing a family member. You know, I, you know, everyone has lost someone. And so maybe losing that has kept you, uh, you know, crumbled on the ground or maybe not even a family member, maybe a close friend, maybe somebody that you were, you were so close with and now they're gone. That could be a storm. That could be a gut punch. Maybe a, a a physical ailment, right? Maybe disease. Um, you know, maybe something with your body that you can't control, right? Maybe that's just something that you have to adjust your life to. Uh, maybe you know, and I've heard this as well. Maybe the loss of a child. You know, I, I've I've known of of members of the church and um, friends of mine who have lost children. You know, I, and I can't imagine losing something that you love so much. Right. Maybe that could be a storm. Maybe that can be a gut punch. 
and then maybe four, maybe the, maybe, uh, you know, you have problems in your marriage slash relationships. Maybe you have, maybe it's the loss of a spouse. Maybe it's the loss of, of a relationship. Maybe that can be your gut punch. And we can go on and on and on, but there's so many things that can be gut punches or storms in the Christian's life. And so the question is, how do I respond as a Christian when it seems as if that storm won't stop? So yes, maybe I have lost a family member. Maybe I have a physical ailment. Maybe I've lost a child. Maybe I've lost uh, a spouse or, or a relationship. Maybe I've lost those things and I've gotten up from losing those things, but I still feel it every day. It won't stop. I mean, it, how do I keep the faith when it just, the pain won't stop and won't go away. And so what we want to do is we can, we can look at uh, a plethora of people in the scripture. I mean, there's so many people that come to mind, but there's one text and one, uh, one example that I really want to hone in on today. All right. I want to look at David. And so if you have your Bibles or your tablets or your phones, go on to second Samuel chapter 12, second Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to start um, in around verse number uh, 14. All right. And so here's the thing about the context. Second Samuel chapter 12, you have David here. And remember, Nathan rebukes him. So Nathan tells David essentially this somewhat of a parable or a story and tells him, look, um, this ewe lamb was stolen. And, and all of these things happened, and then David said, or then Nathan told David, you're the man, you're the one that has actually done this, right? You're the one that's actually taken the ewe lamb and killed it, right, in, in reference to, uh, to Bathsheba's husband. And so now the consequences come, right? So here's the consequence. If you look in verse 14 of chapter 12, notice what uh, the Bible says here. How be it, because by this deed, Thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child that is also born unto thee shall die. So how do I respond as a Christian when it seems as if the storm won't stop? We're going to look at the life of David. And here's the first thing. When these storms in your life happen, whether it's the, the four things we listed or whether it's something else, whenever a storm happens in your life, number one, grieve and grieve hard. Well, what are, you, what are you talking about? That's not what I thought you would say. <clears throat> I thought you would say something like comforting or, or the Lord is here and the Lord is this. He is, and we'll get into that. But number one, what you need to do and what David did in 2 Samuel chapter 12 is to grieve and to grieve hard. You know, I was reading a, a counseling book um, and a lady by the name of Leanne Johnson, she wrote this about grief. She says to allow yourself to experience grief and to choose, notice the word, to choose to engage in the ongoing act of grieving is difficult and it takes courage. She goes on to say that I believe it is something that we must actually choose to learn how to incorporate into our lives. And so she's saying here, instead of running from grief, she says, feel it 100%. Feel all that pain. Cry all you need to. Do it. Feel that grief. Learn how to put the grief right in front of you 
and deal with it. But here's what we do sometimes. Instead of grieving when these things happen in our life, these are four things that we do sometimes. When we don't allow ourselves to fully feel what hurt us, number one, we might do this. We may overwork ourselves. Have you ever had something really bad happen? And then you, you just totally just, you went in straight, straight work mode. You know, nothing else mattered but work. You know, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, and nothing else is going to bother me, but I'm just going to stay focused on work. You may overwork yourself instead of dealing with the grief. Maybe number two, maybe after you overwork yourself, maybe you find a replacement or a filler to feel good about what just happened. So you lose a family member. You may have a physical ailment. You may have the loss of a family member or a friend or a child or a relationship or a marriage or a spouse. And so then instead of dealing with what you lost, you either replace it really quick so that you can have what you just had or you, you fill it with something else in order to feel good. Then number four, when we don't allow ourselves to fully feel what hurt us, you psych yourself out into thinking you're stronger than everything and nothing can hurt you. You ever meet someone like that to where uh, maybe something happens in their life and you say, man, are, man or, or girl, you okay? Well, you know, are you all right? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm fine. I'll bounce back. Oh, I'm good. I'm strong as granite. Nothing can break me. Oh, I'm this. I'm so strong. I've been through this 15 times. Nothing's going to break me. You're psyching yourself out into facing the problem. And so what's the first step that David did? David grieved. He just lost. He's going to lose his son. He hasn't lost him yet, but he's going to lose him. And so look at verse number 16. We're going to walk through this text here. Second Samuel 12. So remember, verse 14, God says this child's going to die, right? Now notice verse 16. David, there, actually verse 15, Nathan departed unto his house, and then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's son bare unto David, and the child was very sick. Now, notice verse 16. David, therefore, besought God for the child, and David fasted, and he went in, and he lay all night upon the earth. See, here's the thing about these things that we just said. When you lose something, you don't know you're going to lose it. But can you imagine being David and you know you're going to lose? You're going to, you know you're going to lose a child. And David, knowing that he's going to lose a child, what does he still do in verse 16? David besought the Lord. That word besought is special there. In the text, in the Hebrew, it actually means to ask, to beg, and to plead. So God said he will die. But what did David do all night? Lord, don't do it. Lord, don't do it. Begging over and over and over and pleading and begging the Lord. What is David doing right here? David understands that pain is coming. But notice, he feels that pain. He pleads to the Lord. He fasts. He cries. He begs. Right? And then notice verse number 17. He even gets to the point where it says the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him from the earth. But David would not get up. Neither did he eat bread. What did David do? He felt it. 
He grieved. David didn't try to do extra kingly work. David didn't try to psych himself out and saying, well, I'm the king. I can have another child. David didn't try to sleep with someone else to get another child with someone else. David felt that specific pain at that moment. And he grieved and he grieved hard. If you lose something, grieve. Don't try to fake this out. Grieve. Cry. Feel it. Feel that pain, right? And so think about this. Here's some application about this, about David grieving and grieving hard. So we're talking about how to keep the faith when the storm won't stop. You grieve and you cry. But notice this. Friends and family, and especially in verse 17, friends, family, etc., they may come to lift you up. And that's the, that's their job. And that's our job as Christians to come and lift you up. But sometimes you might not be ready to get up yet. But know this, that the Lord is there to comfort grief. I want to hone in on that word grief. Just because that God took away this child, does that mean that God didn't feel the grief of David? Absolutely not. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Keep your finger in 2 Samuel and go to Isaiah chapter 53. And remember, we're honing in on this word grief here, okay? Isaiah 53. And look at verse number, number three. Notice what it says about Jesus here. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, and notice what the text says. Christ was despised. He was rejected of man. He was a man of sorrows. And what else does it say? He was acquainted with what? He was acquainted with grief. You know, it's one thing to feel grief. It's one thing to experience grief. It's one thing to go through grief. But it's a whole nother ball game to be acquainted with grief. That's who you are associated with. You are associated with grief. I mean, think about the life of Jesus. His family didn't, didn't believe in him at first. You know, everyone else that he helped betrayed him. He, betrayal by Judas, death wrongly, death illegally. All the, We can go on and on and on. Jesus was acquainted with grief. And so when you lose a family member, when you lose a best friend, when you lose a child, when you have physical ailments, when you have marital and relationship problems, guess who feels that grief with you? The Lord does. Why? Because guess what Jesus felt while he was here? See, Jesus didn't just feel grief like we do. Jesus was acquainted with it. And so know that when your friends and your family, when they come to lift you up and you're not ready to get up yet, and when your friends and family and your friends, maybe they don't understand what you're going through. Just know that the Lord knows what your grief feels like because he was acquainted with it. If we keep going through the text and we hid as if it were our faces from him, he was despised and esteemed him not. But here's another comforting verse. Verse four, not only was he acquainted with grief, but surely he has borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Notice what Jesus, he's acquainted with grief, but not only is he acquainted with it, 
when you and I have grief, guess who bears that grief with us? The Lord. The Lord does. He bears that grief. He's carried our sorrows. And so when the storm won't stop, grieve and grieve like you've never grieved before. Grieve hard. You see, a lot of people have this facade that because you're a Christian, um, you can't grieve. Grieve. Why is there so many uh, accounts in Scripture of people crying, David grieving, Jesus grieving, Job grieving? There's so many. And these are men. We're not even getting into the women in Scripture. These are men grieving. And so how to keep the faith when the storm won't stop? Grieve. But here's the thing. Grieve with the Lord because he understands what's going on. Christ knows. He knows what you're going through because it's so comforting, especially in verse 3 when he says he was acquainted with it. Jesus knows all about it. He knows all about it in every single way and facet. Jesus may not have lost a child as you have, but he knows what it feels like to be acquainted with that grief. Jesus may not have lost a relationship or a marriage like you have or a spouse like you have, but he's acquainted with the grief of losing. Jesus may not have lost a family member, but he knows what it's like to lose friends and to cry and to weep. He knows Jesus may not have had a physical ailment like you and I may have, but Jesus knows what it's like to die physically wrongfully. He knows. And so grieve, but know while you grieve. You may not be ready to get up just as David wasn't ready to get up. The elders came and tried to lift him off the ground. The Bible says that David wouldn't get up. Maybe you're not ready, and that's okay that you're not ready to get up. But if you're not ready, just know that the Lord is right there on the ground with you. Grieve and grieve hard. So how do I keep the faith when the storm won't stop? Grieve and grieve hard, just as David did. Then number two, let's go back to our text in 2 Samuel here, okay? So we go back to our text. Remember, we're talking about uh, what to do when the storm won't stop, right? And so verse 17, now we have the image of David being on the ground. He didn't even eat. Then verse number 18 of chapter 12, excuse me. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him. And he would not hearken unto our voice. How then will he vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, is the child dead? And they said, yes, he is dead. Here's point number two. When the storm won't stop, how to keep the faith when the storm won't stop. Remember, number one, we talked about grieving, right? Grieve and grieve hard. Then number two, when the storm and the and when the storm won't stop, staying on the ground is not an option. Staying on the ground is not an option. You see, verse 17, David was on the ground, right? And people tried to help him, but he wasn't ready to get up. But when the child died, verse 20, notice how it starts. Then David, what's the next word? Then David arose. See, here's the, here's the thing about the, the custom of the day. The custom was when someone died, 
the nearest relative of the deceased person um, after the full indulgence of his grief, he would grieve and grieve maximum until the fourth day, right? Then the other relatives after the fourth day, the other relatives and the friends and the family would visit him or her, invite him or her to eat, lead him or her to a bath, and then change his clothes, and then uh, have necessary, you know, um, requirements for the burial. So they had four days max to to grieve. But notice what David does. Does David take four days? Now, you may need to take more than four days. This is just a custom back then. But here's the point. Eventually, who got up? David. Then note, remember the custom was after you got up, others would come and bathe you. Others would come and give you food. Others would come and bring you a change of clothes. Notice what happens. Then David arose from the earth. And then what did David do himself? David washed himself. David anointed himself. David changed his apparel. It is a wonderful thing to have, uh, you know, when you're going through whatever you're going through. It is a wonderful thing, especially from brethren. It's encouraging and it's wonderful to have phone calls, to have text, to get hugs, to get encouraging words during any form of grief. At some point, you have to get up on your own strength. Because you may have lost so many things, but you've got to get up. At some point, you've got to get up. What did David do? David arose. And not only did he arise, but he washed himself. He anointed himself. You see, not only did David get up, but David also took care of himself. When you go through things when the storm won't stop, the one person that doesn't help themselves is the person that's going through the grief. Help yourself. Get up. Do what you have to do. Then notice, you see, here's the thing sometimes that we can do. Sometimes we can become too dependent on others when we need to show strength as others continue to help us along. You see, you can't just ride the coattails of everyone's phone calls. You can't ride the phone, you know, you can't ride the coattails of everyone's texts and hugs and encouraging words. That's great to have. And I'm not saying stop that. You don't stop that. But I'm saying at some point you have to show some strength and get up on your own too while others continue to help you. You have to show some strength. And so how do I keep the faith when the storm won't stop? Grieve and grieve hard at whatever you lost. Then number two, staying on the ground is not an option. David got up. But as we keep walking through this text, what happens? Then here's number three. When David grieved his heart out, when David uh, knew that staying on the ground was not an option, then number three, notice what David did. Then David arose from the earth. He washed. He anointed himself. He changed his apparel, and he came into the house of the Lord. And what did David do? And David worshiped. 
let me give you just a, a word of advice. When things happen in your life, when you're mad at the world, when you're mad about how things are going, when you're mad at grief, when you're mad at the things that's going on in your life, when you're mad at what you've lost, quitting the church is not an option. You need to run to the Lord. What did David do? Right after he washed himself, he went to worship. You see, David understood and David knew, I need to go to the source. You see, now here's the thing about David. Couldn't David have been mad at the Lord? When David got up and when David washed himself and when David anointed himself, couldn't he have said, Lord, why did you take away this child? Why did you do this? So instead of worshiping, couldn't David have spent 15 chapters blaming the Lord? He could have. But what did David do? Instead of blaming the Lord, he said, I'm going to worship. I'm going to the source. When it, when it hurts, run to the Lord. When you have no answers, run to the Lord. When you're weak and you feel like you can't keep going, run to the Lord. Run, run to him. Here's my uh, word of advice here. And I hope that those that know me, um, I hope that they don't take this in a wrong manner. But I'm saying this with all the love in my heart through the scripture. Christian people can be a wonderful source of encouragement. Um, but the nicest, the kindest, the sweetest, the most encouraging brother or sister in the brotherhood is not God. Run to God. It is, it is great to have that encouragement from that brother or sister. I encourage you to get it. But after you get it, don't be so dependent on that person. Run to God. Run to him. When you grieve, run to him. Think about this. When you go through something, when you go through whatever you go through, whatever grief it is, when you talk to your best friend, you talk to him or her for only five minutes about what you're going through. If you go out to lunch, you only have lunch for five minutes. If you go to their house to grieve, you only grieve with them for five minutes. At minimum, you probably stay there for an hour, minimum. Here's my question. If we could sit here during our grief and go over somebody's house, whether they're Christian or not, go over someone's house, talk to them on the phone for an hour. Why can't you talk to the Lord for an hour? Why can't you pray to the Lord for an hour? Why can't you meditate on his word for an hour? Here's the thing. Run to the Lord. And if anybody that knows me, if you're going through something, I'm going to tell you I'm, I'm, I'm there for you when you need me. But I will say this, you need to, you need to open up the scripture. You need to pray. I, I will, I'm going to point you to him. I'm not going to point you to me. I'm going to say, you need to pray. You need to open up the word. You need to worship. I'm going to point you to the Lord because that's my job. My job as a Christian isn't to point you to me. My job as a Christian is to point you to God. And if I don't do that, I'm not leading you to the right source. Even if I'm a Christian. I have to lead you to the right source. 
Here, here's a, a method that I use. Especially, you know, we talked about, you know, maybe you'll talk to somebody or, or cry with someone for an hour. When you go through grief, here's what I do. Sometimes, I, uh, you know, uh, whether you're driving somewhere, sometimes I'll get in the car and I'll, I'll do straight highway driving. Or sometimes I'll just take a walk or maybe while, um, you know, working out on the elliptical or whatever it is. During that, a lot of time of whatever I'm doing the entire time I'm praying. But here's the thing about that prayer. That prayer is reverent, but that prayer is a mix of a lot of things. Sometimes people look at me like I'm weird, but that prayer is like, um, I would say something like this. If I'm walking and I'm praying to the Lord, sometimes I'll, I'll ask him questions. Lord, why is this happening? Why would you, why would you allow this to happen? What, what have I done? What can I do better? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to learn? And then this is what I'll do as well. I remember in 2 Samuel 12, you helped David during this grief. How can you help me? I know in 2 Corinthians, you're the God of all comfort. How can you comfort me? And I'll pray and I'll talk to the Lord for an hour, just as, just as if I'm talking to my best Christian friend for an hour. See, this is where we miss it. This is where we miss the mark when we talk about grief. We become too dependent on one another when we should be dependent on the Lord. If you come to me with your griefs, I promise you 100%, I'm going to point you to the Lord. I'll talk to you for that hour. I will. But I'm going to say, you need to pray. You need. To, did you talk to the Lord about it? Did you read about it? Did you look at examples in the scripture about it? Did you cry about it? That's what I'm going to point you to. Run to the Lord. And so here's, here's, here's a, a practical example. And we're talking about encouraging someone that's going through grief. Here's two options what you can do. Let's say this is the problem. Let's say someone comes up and says, Jordan, I feel like evil is around me all the time. Jordan, I don't know what to do. Here's option one of what I could say. So to that person that told me, I feel like evil is all around me, Jordan, and I don't know what to do. Option one, I could say this. Well, it's okay. I'll always be there for you. I love you. Come to me anytime. And I can say variations of those words in an hour. Does that make the person feel good? Yes. But what happens tomorrow? Guess what I'm going to have to do tomorrow too? Well, it's okay. I'll always be there. I love you. Come to me anytime. You see, it makes them feel good, but it's not sustaining because they will need that same sentence and variations every day. Or I could do option two. I could say, remember in Psalm chapter 37 in the scripture, remember when David felt evil all around him? The Lord's going to help you too as he helped David. I'm going to encourage you as your brother in Christ. I want you to keep meditating on the word. And I'm going to pray for you by name tonight. And if you need me tomorrow, I'm going to pray for you tomorrow too. And if you want to open the scripture and study, I'll, I'll come to your house and I'll pray with you. Now, which option led them to the Lord? Was it the first option when I just said it's going to be okay and I love you constantly? Or the option where I actually opened up the scripture and I said, I'm going to pray with you. 
did option one lead them to the Lord or did option two? You see, we need to understand how to encourage. When you call me, when you text me, when you do, I'm going to do that. I'm going to open up the Bible with you. I'll pray over the phone with you. But I'm going to lead you to the Lord. And so when, when, you, when it feels like the storm won't stop, how do I keep the faith? Number one, if you're the one going through the grieving, you run to the Lord. But then number two, if you're the one encouraging someone going through the grieving, you point them to the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And I understand option one, those are sweet words, and they sound really good. But my words, even being a Christian, they will not sustain you like the word of God. They will not. And I am not going to have the audacity to say that my words are going to sustain you. They're not. The word of God is. And that's what I'm going to point you to. And so here's the final application. I heard someone say this one time. When the storm won't stop, don't be afraid to feel. It was in a book or it was in a, it was in a movie. He said this. How do you know that you're living? Hurt is a part of life. Pain. Suffering. Death. Grief. Loss. If you never take the time to fully feel what you've gone through and you try to hide it or you try to psych yourself out that it didn't happen and that you're stronger than it or you try to replace it, you aren't living. Feel it. Grieve it. Live with it. And grow with the Lord. So how do I keep the faith when the storm won't stop? You need to feel it right in front of you. Grieve it. Cry over it. Pray over it. Then two, staying on the ground is not an option. At some point, you have to get up. Then three, you need to worship. All these other things can make you feel good. But you need to worship. You need to worship. And then four, you need to run to the Lord in everything that you do. When the storm won't stop, how do I keep the faith? I hope that um, we all can be better encouragers through the scripture. You see, encouragement isn't nice words to make you feel good. That's cotton candy. It makes you feel good, and it fills you up for that moment. But the real meal comes when I give you the scripture. That's what encouragement is. Encouragement isn't making you feel good. Encouragement is telling you what the Bible says and encourage you through the scripture. That's what real encouragement is. Run to the Lord. How do I keep the faith when the storm won't stop? That was such a great, great text as we walked through. Second Samuel chapter 12, Brandon, I, uh, I hope I did this some justice for you. Um, if, if not, uh, I'll keep, I'll keep working on it, but I hope I was able to, uh, to do this topic some justice. And, um, I hope that no matter what we're all going through that, um, that we can trust in the Lord and that we can know that he's always there.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Lord willing, we'll be on uh, next week again. Um, we may or may not have a guest on there. I don't know yet, but we'll see. Again, you can subscribe on YouTube to see the video portion. And you can also uh, watch the podcast anywhere you can get your podcast as well. Thanks, guys.